Hey there, humanoids. This is David Shoemaker here with a very exciting announcement. Your favorite wrestling podcast feed, The Ringer Wrestling Show, is now going daily. And you can hang out with me and Kaz on Mondays and Thursdays for The Masked Man Show. And you can join me, Peter Rosenberg, alongside stack guy Greg and Dip every Tuesday with Cheap Heat. And on Fridays, I'll welcome a friend or special guest from the world of wrestling. And on Wednesdays, we have a very special new show called Wednesday Worldwide that you're going to want to check out. Pay-per-view reaction, one-of-a-kind interviews, fantasy booking, talking about bagels. That's what we do here on the Ringer Wrestling Show. Follow the show now on Spotify and do us a favor. Give us five stars. And do us another favor and uh, stay mage. sounds over it at the same time people are laughing in the do you need any of us here for this the audience <laughs> myself carlos any of us have to be here i hit the wrong button before we uh, actually started recording and i started testing out theories i think i can just hit all of them like if i mash my palm on that soundboard it would You'll just break play. the soundboard don't how are you michael all good right. to see you yes or no I don't know if you're stupid, like exaggerations or trying to be cute with this. I, I, this is a factual question. Is this the question have of you ever, who you could take in the hobby? Have you ever heard of Scott Rowland? Uh, yes, Royland. No, is that who you're talking about? Talking about Scott Rowland. I don't know who that is. Okay, good enough. He just made the Hall of Fame. We're going to ask Steve about it when he comes <gasps> on. Oh, I was just curious. Scotty. I did actually, I did hear that name already. I didn't want to be the guy who so just heard cuts you off, but I only saw it like hours ago when I was reading through Mailbag. Someone mentioned him, so. Okay. Um, do your thing. You're opening today. You're, uh, Jesse has a little fun little idea, and then we'll do some small talk. My voice is still trash from being sick. You okay? You feeling better? Don't. Do the segment. I'm, I'm feeling okay. I'll be honest with you. I'm a little freaked out because I have to fly tonight, and I don't want to be the guy flying. I don't oh want to be the guy coughing God. on the plane. Dude. <clears throat> That's still a thing. But you However, only have one-way flight, though. You drive back, and it's two hours. And That's I checked bad. in six minutes late, and we still got B1. B one's not that bad. That means if I go back and sit in the back row, I should be solo. Oh god, I can't wait to have Papa Gio here. Going back home, I'm gonna say Dad is in studio as a guest once a month. How many Boston people does it take to run this podcast? Do you think? Because we'll have Papa Gio, Steve Peralt's joining today. By the way, there's a bit of your rundown Boston for you, guy. Boston commentator. Uh, to open us up, though, we're gonna talk a little non-Boston. How do we get a third guy in here? If Dad wants to come in the studio and hang, we should put a microphone here. Is yeah. that possible? Yeah, we can put a microphone literally anywhere. We could put it there or there. I'm just pointing Here's two feet thing. across. Dad with no drinks in him on a podcast. Yeah, yeah. not bad. Toss Dad a couple couple Coors Lights, bottle only. He's a classic guy. <laughs> or Bud Light bottle. Your dad's a Bud Light guy, huh? My dad's an Butter MGD Miller Wait. Genuine Draft. Oh no, Butter Coors. So, oh, there you okay. go. Papa G will be here. What suddenly. do you think it would be like if both of our dads were in here and only say nice things? Your dad would look, just look at him. <laughs> my, <laughs> my dad would be like, okay, what's up with this guy? No. You dad, think they'd be talkative? They when, both like Chicago. When dad has a microphone in front of him, he has a weird like energy about him. It's really? the, the energy that I have that's like wacky and kooky that I bring out a lot of the time. That's where I got it from. But it was only like he has it in that tiny little part of him and I got it all over. The Jimmy Deans were dancing with the energy. Leave the references to me. All right. Jesse has <laughs> a little like segment. That. I actually like this thing he prepared. Nothing to do with high-end stuff or these unattainable cards for the masses or these crazy three, four, five, six-figure cards. Jesse is a man of the people. And he's I, like, you know what? Yeah. I want, 
all right, take it easy. I'm not done yet. <laughs> Just, he was like, you know what? I want to, I'm going to focus on some low end stuff that he thinks there might be a little bit of room for maybe a fun little cheap play that is appealing to all people. This is true. Jesse Rhodes Gibson. Yes. Thank now you. that you're done interrupting, take it away. Uh, if you will look at your screen, Michael, okay. I've pulled this up for your uh, entertainment value, but also so that you can give a, an idea to the audience. Um, what I was looking at was Cardlighter's indexes show a bit of what the market is doing, but you can break it down and look at individual cards and see like what's really spiking. What I noticed as I went through there is you can easily, very easily find a number of modern graded cards that are trading, you know, and I, I picked baseball because there's not a lot going on with baseball right now. So it's not, there's, there shouldn't be any, yeah, there shouldn't be a real reason for anything to spike super high or go super low. But what you do notice is that there is an obvious window or, or, or trading window that this uh, card will do. So it'll trade maybe at five bucks, then 10 bucks back and forth. I want to see what you think of any of these options as potential good flips for your average guy who not only enjoys collecting, but is in the hobby to make a little money. Let's be honest. A lot of you are. I, I know that's sometimes a faux pas to but talk about. But even if not, just hey, a card you can get for a decent value to keep. There you go. I like it. So first one off the bat, 2019. This is a Bowman Wanda Franco card. It's a PSA 9. Bowman a lot of, paper. Yep. Yeah. First prospect paper. Just so, an important distinction. Go thank ahead. you. I'm, no, and that's why you're here. You know, it's good to have you around for segments about cards. My show. Uh, well, <sighs> Anyway, PSA 9, the card is currently selling for about $15. That's a bit high for what it's been going for. If you look, it got down to, I mean, $4.50 on the 16th of this month. But yeah, around $8 to $10. I don't believe and obviously, single, but yes. Yeah, yeah, you can count that one out. 8 to 10 bucks though, on average. So obviously, you go from 8 to $10 to $15. You're seeing quite the return, right? You could buy a lot of these because there's there's... 2,600 PSA nines of this card. Sure. You could buy a number of these and look at this as whenever the market is down, because obviously it's like every few days, every week or so you have a high, you have a low. There is a very easy opportunity to buy at the low and sell at the high, which is obvious. It's common sense. But at the same time, I don't know if everybody's taking advantage of like easy charts like this to just look and see, Hey, where's the range. If I buy, put out an offer, you know, someone's got to buy it now on eBay. I could put out the offer for this more than likely someone's going to sell because evidently there's many people selling at that price. And then a week later I flip it for, you know, uh, 20, 30, 50% more. Let me add in why this doesn't happen, by the way, your numbers are spot on your logic is spot on. Here is the issue. Okay. The hobby by and large has become so focused though on the big stuff. Like I have to get this card to go here to there. Mm -hmm. And I think the most simple thing people miss is just simple percentages. Honestly, yes, it's a yeah. game of numbers. Mm -hmm, I agree. A $100 card going to 200 is great. Yeah. A $3 card going to nine in the grand scheme of things is better. Me tripling my money on a smaller scale. That's why with me, and, and I've showed you my charts when I keep I keep track of all of my sales. I don't necessarily care about the amount. Like mm -hmm. If I buy a $1,000 card and flip it a day later for 1100 yeah. okay, I made a hundred bucks, it's fine. I would much rather buy five $20 cards and have them go up to 30 bucks. Sure. Yeah, I've made less, but my percentage is much higher. This is a great example here with this Wander. Three of these for 30 bucks. Wait any given week, because obviously nothing's happened, we're still That's seeing exactly, these weird yeah. movements, like you said, and all of a sudden they're $18 a piece. Yep. You've literally just about doubled your money. 
it doesn't take a lot for that to keep happening where that number, it's like a snowball effect. But I do think that's the reason. A, people are a little bit lazy doing it. Mm -hmm. And B, I just think people kind of like, oh, but that's not a huge increase. Okay, get to the point though where you could do this times 100. I'm well, gonna buy 100 of these at once. And the reason why I point uh, the, the index out is because it's not showing you just one person's card or one individual card. It's showing you a number of cards because that is the overall play, I feel like, is not to do this with just Wander's cards, but do this with, I mean, you can almost pick out any card. I scroll down to like the next modern graded card. It's a 2017 Topps Chrome, Cody Bellinger, PSA 9. Now, this is a weird one. Cody's been obviously falling off a cliff playing-wise, exactly. and he's now with the Cubs, not the Dodgers. So You know what we need here? Sorry, the, mon the monsters kick. The monsters kicking up. You could have like a one, a two, a one, two numbers with Jesse. That, See that? That's a little lead-in. Well, I thought you, you were going to go into a, a song. If you hit a button, will it play that lead-in? I hit all of them with my okay. hand, like I said I was going to. Your pinky eclipsed the whole soundboard. That was good. So Bellinger, do, do me a favor, pick a different one because this is this one. There are reasons because he's had some recent news. Okay, that's give, fair. Give me a different. One. Give me the this. Griffey. Let's. Look, I was going to say let's go to the Griffey. Griffey. So Griffey is a little bit higher. It is at a hundred dollars. It's got an SGC ten. So hang on, we're talking nineteen eighty nine tops traded. I'm sorry, yes. Paper rookie SGC ten. Thank you. My favorite player of all time, Ken Griffey Jr. So selling at this moment, last sold a hundred dollars. Well, I think ninety eight dollars. Yep. Uh, but just recently sold for forty dollars. Before that. You got a 58 sale, 70 sale. I mean, obviously there's a number of, as you can see on the graph, a number of opportunities to buy. But then you also see a number of opportunities where it sold for 100, sold for 100, sold for 100, sold for 120. It's, there is a weird rhythm to a lot of these cards where it's a, not just say, hey, I'm gonna pay the same amount or I'm gonna pay a fraction more or a fraction less. They are large percentage differences, and it's not on cards that only have, you know, 20, 30, 50 pop counts. These are cards that have hundreds, if not thousands of pop, uh, of uh, grades. Cards in the population. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there just seems to be a very good business opportunity or grading if you want to get in on the low side, or I'm sorry, uh, collecting if you want to get on the low side, but a very good business opportunity in my mind to buy low, sell high, where the math, I mean, you just look at the the simple grades. We use Card Ladder, you know. So I'll I'll admit they they sponsor the show, but I'd use it anyway. We used it before they ever sponsored it. Yeah, tell me what it shows us stuff. Yeah, it's the it's such a good tool to just see easy population counts. It's easy to see the the buy low sell high aspect of what we're talking about here. So there you go. That's the that's the graded uh, King Griffey at SGC ten. Do you view this as another opportunity to? I mean, like you, right now, down, I wouldn't absolutely. buy. Yeah, I wouldn't Correct. buy at the ninety-eight because it just popped, and that's sure. what the case is for a lot of these. Because I put it in order of guys who have recently uh, gone up the most in pricing, but you can just as easily look at this the flip side. Okay, stop right. Like, just stop the page. Let's just stop scrolling for a second. Okay, give me the next scroll. I want an active player okay. on your list. You want Tatis? No, because he's going to no? miss the first month. Okay, Otani. Guess, there you go. Twenty eighteen Bowman Chrome Otani PSA eight. This is his first Chrome card. Look at these sales that were literally from 50 to a hundred dollars over the past few months, 50, 43, 53, but right now selling at a hundred last two sold at a hundred, but look at that spike. Look at, if you had to guess, looking at the graph, where's the next one going to sell at? I'm going to be low. looks like, I, I mean, mean, there's a pretty clear pattern there. It, it honestly, it's almost predictable at this point. So 
Um, that I think that's I think that's, that's a fair enough example of what I'm talking about. Sure. But yeah, I just wanted to go over that a little bit and see if if I'm missing something or if this is a bona fide opportunity for investment. Yeah, because you see the same pattern with multiple cards across multiple generations and eras from exactly. Griffey to Otani. It doesn't seem like a single doubt, like, oh, I'm just spinning the numbers how I want. No, it's kind but... of, I do think it's kind of funny. So yeah, um, okay. I like that. There you go. I have a couple quick NBA notes before Steve jumps on because he's coming on. First, uh, there's just some, there's a couple guys in the NBA that I think are interesting to take a look at right now. Three names, Anthony Davis, Brandon Ingram, and Dame. Do you know who that is? Damian Lillard. There you yeah. go. That's yeah. impressive. <laughs> I think we're going to see like over the next week or two, we've already seen a few games of it now. Dame does this every year. He goes on this like unbelievable streak of scoring 50 points and a bunch of assists and they mm -hmm. go on a crazy win streak. I think we're probably going to see that soon. So if you are looking to sell your Dame stuff, I think I would pay attention very close. Like he just, he has been a streaky guy his whole career like that. He's always great. But then he gives you a couple weeks at a time where he just goes absolutely nuts. He did this, I believe last night he went absolutely off. It's just, he's an unbelievably talented scorer. He's never going to go anywhere in the playoffs because he has a crap team and he's in Portland. But like, he is the type of guy, I just think when he gets on a run like this, to me, he's one of those guys you got to be ready to sell. Oh, wow. Last night, he went 60 for 60, points. seven rebounds, eight assists. Jeez. <clears throat> Against the Jazz, by the way, who have a, a little bit of a better record. I mean, the game before, he still did 37 points. Still That's respectable, what I mean. 12 I, assists. That I game. think we're going to see him just go on this unbelievable, creepy tear. So I would be ready to sell Dame stuff. The other one that makes me a little bit curious, and again, this would only be short-term, is Anthony Davis. Everybody knows the, the, the motto with Davis is when he's healthy, yeah. two things are true. Number one, he's great in the court, and he has a savage eyebrow. So... <laughs> But he's not going to stay healthy. Like, we know he's going to get hurt. What, is he out? I mean, is he is he back in yet? He came back last night, came off the bench, scored 21 points in limited... 21, four rebounds, four... Uh, excuse me, 21 points, 12 rebounds, four blocks in limited minutes against the Spurs, granted, crap team. But he looked good, looked athletic, got his legs back out from... You know, got his legs back under him. I think he's interesting just because I just... He's so good. It doesn't take many games in a row for there to be some hype. So if the market hasn't done much yet and you want to take a risk on a guy... yeah. He's pretty cheap right now. You could probably buy him right now, see what he does, and then move him. If you have stuff, again, I'd just be kind of ready to move his stuff. Does it concern you at all that he's on, you know, the Lakers and they're not performing quite that great? I mean, that that and his health, all that concerns me, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. But they're also not, I mean, they're right in the playoff on. Were they a game out at this point? Yeah, um, they're a game out of the 10th spot. A game and a half out of being the seventh seed in the West. I mean, they're right in the mix. The other guy who I think is interesting came back last night, although he didn't look overly... Uh, outstanding. Like he had a bad last game last night. Who cares? Brandon Ingram is back. I just think he's interesting because the Pelicans are still winning games. Like they mm -hmm. lost last night, but the Pelicans are three games they've over five. They've lost their last six games. Yep. Zion, Ingram, they've all been out. Yep. But they're still in the playoff hunt right now, which is important for them. Uh, Zion, who knows when he's back, but Ingram comes back. He's another guy though. He is so stupid cheap. I actually sold two Ingram cards last night for like nothing. Like his select PSA 10 cards, mm -hmm. I want to say it was like 30 bucks. PSA 9 prisms were like 10 to $15. There was an optic hollow that went oh. cheap. He's another guy yeah, that- He's not getting much love. No, very, very cheap. And I'm just, I kind of just start to think maybe he's a decent- Do you know, is he one prone to uh, injury as well or no? Not nearly as much as Anthony Davis. But, okay. Uh, yeah. And then another guy I just think is someone to keep an eye out on. And this is why last year's, which it's still this year, we're still getting product- 21-22 NBA stuff. So Jalen Green, Mobley, Cade Cunningham. Yep. Uh, Sagoon, Sagun, whatever the center's name is from Houston. He had another triple-double last night, 21, uh, 11, and 10. Granted, the Rockets are terrible. One of the worst records in the league. But Jalen Green can score. This Sagoon kid, 
like looks like a legit starter in the league. Um, and they're going to have a lottery pick next year. I think that's a funny team going forward. So I don't know. Rockets. They're also Interesting. crazy expensive. Like they are literally almost single-handedly carrying the value of last year's product at this point. Despite you have still is, some other good chases. Who is the big? I can't even remember. Uh, Jalen so Green's by far Jaylen number Green. one. Cade Cunningham, Scotty Cade, Barnes, yeah, Evan Scotty, Mobley. That's right. Um, Suggs for Orlando. So, but Sagoon is, is starting to sell. I, I guarantee I'm saying that wrong. And I've said it 12 Sagan. times. Sagan. Tyler Sagan. That's it. That's a hockey player. Oh, yep. Um, I was thinking Sagan from. Uh, so, yeah, I thought he was an interesting guy to look at. I just think the NBA is starting to get to, to be an interesting. There's some guys there that I think you should start paying attention to if your goal is, hey, I want to get into some NBA stuff soon with the intent of selling in the playoffs. Another one, and I bring up this name every week, just about Kevin Durant. Trey Young. Oh. Trey Young went off last night for 33 and 11. They're a game over 500. Um, they, again, we've seen this kid get hot in the playoffs. His stuff is like unbelievably cheap, though. And right now they're the eighth seed. So he's another guy. I don't know if they're going to go on a run this year, but I think his pricing has come so far down, it almost makes him a good buy again. So I'm curious. You said uh, two things that were different from what I'm looking at. So you said eighth seed for the Heat, right? For the so- Hawks. For, I'm sorry, for the the Hawks. Okay, so then... You see that number eight next to them? Yep, no. Okay. The Lakers, you said, was like seven? They were like a game, game and a half out of the seven seed. So I see he, what you're the saying. The Suns are nine games. Yeah, so that's what I mean. they're 25, they're- yep, out of 23. Thank you. I wanted to clarify. Maybe I'm looking at the wrong thing. Obviously, we're both right. Think. Well, I would like- are, we, are we both right? <laughs> or was I right and you had to reaffirm that because you were wrong? The other thing we have to talk about then, too... What is up with Babe Ruth autos in the hobby lately? <laughs> First, we get one by Tops last week or two weeks ago that was signed by his secretary, it sounds like, or end of life nurse, something like that. So not an authentic one. Nope. And then this week, I think it was out of National Treasures or Flawless, National one of the Treasures. two. We get a booklet, patch auto, cut auto of George Herman. And instead of George Herman, it has George Brett. You can add him in, Carlos. Carlos said he's here. Just, just plug him right in. Steve Peralt, what do you have to say about that profile picture you just jumped in the Zoom with? Is he holding a... What, what's the profile picture? You're holding a trophy. Well, I don't think I even remember what oh. my profile I picture think it's like is. The World for, Series trophy. Is it Zoom or is it like Gmail? Oh, if uh, if you sign in with uh, your Gmail, then it's whatever your Gmail one is. Oh, okay. Well, there's your I'm going to have to see that. Holding hold what trophy? I mean, dude, it's your picture. I can't just, I can't go through this. It looks like the, it looks like a championship. Yeah. It looks like a world series trophy. You're wearing a Patriots hat and you're holding some sort of a trophy. I'm going to have to look that up because I don't think I've looked at that image in a long time. Riveting, riveting appearance today is going to be. Steve, when is the last time you were here? Has it been two years? Uh, It's been a couple of years. Yeah. It's been, I think it was, would it be two years or would it be, wasn't it the start of last season or was it the start of the 21 season? I, guess it was start I, of I think it was start of 21, almost two years. You've been yep. boycotting the show. Big changes <laughs> on your end. Now you're doing a Red Sox podcast, correct? Wait, is this? Doing a Sox podcast. Is this the show? Yeah. This is the show. We haven't even introduced him. It's Steve Peralt from Boston. There you go. Yeah, I actually like that. I would prefer to be Steve Peralt from Boston. Boom. I think that that That's works. What, what are you known for, Steve, at this point? What, <laughs> no, you're right. That sounds better. Let's go what, with that. What is it that people what would do you do? tune into? It's the ITM podcast. What else do you do? You're a Boston sports commentator. You're on NBC Sports Boston, right? 
Yeah, yeah. I See, I want to be on NBC Sports Boston a little more. That was uh, during the summer when the Sox were still in it. I was hopping on NBC Sports Boston, and then they fell out of it, so it became all Patriots talk, uh, unfortunately. But yeah, ideally, the team is in the race a little bit more this year. But it's always been a Red Sox podcast. That's always been what I've been known for. And now it's the ITM podcast, and we're under the Sports Illustrated umbrella, so it's been fun. Little known fact, Steve made one of my dreams as a child come true. On a Saturday evening, what? on a radio show, I grew up listening to WEEI. It's the radio show in Boston, oh, the station God. in Boston. And I was once asked years ago with Steve and Bradfoe to come on and make have a little, little guest spot for like five minutes on the show. I grew up listening to sports radio like a maniac, though. I got, really? to, I got to come in on as a guest one time. I was super pumped. No joke, man. That actually like made my day. Dude, that was a lot of fun. I have no that heart. Was, I was but, pumped that you came. I was pumped that you came on. I thought it was a great segment and it was a good just like we, we talk so much about the team and, oh, is this guy going to make the roster and blah, blah, blah. You go down the list and it's like I would way rather talk about something that's a little bit different, like sports cards, Red Sox card value, all of that. I thought it was a fun segment. We had a lot Not of fun. Not to mention the fact as soon as that segment was off, my father called me. He goes, didn't even say hello. It's Rob Bradford, not Chad Bradford, you dummy. <laughs> oh, yeah, you said Chad Bradford. I was like, well, one guy talks on the radio, the other guy throws a little bit of a sidearm. It's not my fault. Are you still doing anything on EEI or no? Um, well, right now, no. Okay. Uh, I might be doing some pre- and post-game stuff during the season. See, uh, my life is so revolved around the baseball season that in the offseason, my co-host and I, Joey Capone, we're doing two shows a week now just because we need it. Like, we need the reps, and we just were you know, so involved with what's going on with the team, but most people are tuned out. Most of your, your, your diehards don't really care right now. They know that Xander Bogarts isn't going to be back with the Red Sox. So they're pissed off. The Devers extension bought a little bit of time for, you know, fans not calling for ownership's heads, but yeah, right now it's a little tough because January sucks kind of for all of us, right? Like, are you guys just going through the motions right now? I know it's NFL playoffs. So that matters a lot for I'll the, tell you, the here's we were just talking about this yeah, last episode. So yeah, here's what's saving us a couple things. First of all, the baseball card market is very, very stagnant. Yeah. NFL playoffs are carrying us. And then the manufacturing got so behind on cards. They are just, it's like they're pumping out new releases every week, like crazy. So that has kind of helped. There's a period though, that is like after NFL season, before NBA playoffs, before baseball season, yeah. that there's a, there is a slow period that we're coming up on that. You know, you start the nonsense really starts kicking in in the sports yeah, cards. Cooking in the studio, you know, there's nothing things. wrong. People enjoy that content. By the way, love the studio. I should have said this the second I hopped oh. on. I was catching up on y'all's TikToks. I, I haven't been up to date with the talk. You guys do a great job on the TikTok, and I saw uh, Mike. I saw you give the tour of the studio. And I'm like, wait, are they recording all the shows in there? This is nice. It looks really good. Oh, yeah. We get, we get big compliments we get big when Steve comes on. I don't think you can see that. That's okay. Yeah, a little studio. Not a big deal. Um, we haven't had any guests in studio. That was sort of the reason we got it, but that's okay. We like it, me and Jesse. Yeah, no, I wouldn't like it if someone came in here. Their right. scent would throw me off. Serious question. Last baseball card you bought or pack you opened is? Oh, geez. When was I on uh, the show it's, last? It's been... I think it was during the summer. Now, you guys are so much better than I am at like the specifics of what the pack is, what the, you know, what what the the rating would be and all that. Um, I'm just, I like hopping on here because I think you guys are great. And I, I use you as my brain for sports cards. So I wouldn't even be able to tell you what the, it was, I just got it on eBay. I just got some big pack of uh, uh, baseball cards that have like one jersey card of a guy I've never heard of before, which sucks. That That's what I always hate when it's like, one jersey card in here. You're like, all right. Like, hey, might get might get a trope. Might get a no, no, no. You get like 
Giamaki Capozo, and that ends up being the guy that uh, that you have. You, you could have gotten a Josh Hader. Oh yeah, Jesse uh, just got Padres a- relief pitcher. Patch card That's that right. I got. Jesse so just brought into my National Treasures break. Only paid $75 for that puppy. So Told you not to. Don't yeah, hate so it. How much of a, a bummer is that when you, you pay the big price and then you get the guy you don't give a damn about? That's just part of the game, I assume? It is part of the game. Every once in a while, it'll be the other side. You'll get the one that is what you want and it's worth five times what I paid for. But yeah, this was not a win and that's okay. I'm, I'm willing to accept that. Um, I do want to play something for you real quick, oh, Steve. God. He's been talking with us for a week. I actually Uh-oh. was playing. I was wanting to play this like m- when we did our best of or end of year episode to going back. The one we didn't do. <laughs> yeah, a little like, hey, what did what happened in the year? I found this from like our first. Is there a few date on? Hey, hang on. Is there a date on this? No, that's the thing. I didn't. I don't have the date, but I'm pretty positive it was like in the first three months of us doing the podcast. So it'd be March, like March. I was gonna say March of twenty one. Okay, so this is this is when you were on the show, Stephen, uh, and this is a nice oh, little God. clip. Just, I've been in this position. Oh God, type I'm ready. Of analysis. Okay, I'm not ready. so I'm ready. Just I've listened second. to the. I've, just one second. I don't want to interject too much. Why, why, are, why you do I sound out of breath? Why are you breathing? You're sitting down. <laughs> so I just ran a marathon. You know why? That was out of shape, Jesse. This That's, is in shape. Okay, good. No more interruptions. Listen to your show from the jump. I think okay. you guys do a great job. Okay, uh, Jesse. Don't let your lack of sports knowledge hold you back. I, I'm proud to say I haven't, Steve. I want you to know that today. It has been two over two years since that, or just about two years since then. I haven't known a single thing about sports. And yet here we are got picked up for our third season, rocking and rolling like no one's business. And that's thanks to you and the confidence you gave me. Look at the clapping. I applaud that Jesse. I applaud that. Well, that, so when I'm listening early on to you guys and, and Giuseppe, like you, you, you know that he's going to let you have it. If you're, if he brings up like a Justin Jefferson and you have no clue what he's talking about, like you got to, I think that's what it came down to, right? It's like, know the big names, know the big dogs. And that'll, that'll get you through some of these conversations, but I didn't want it to, to let you down. And you know, I, I didn't want it to bring it down and it clearly hasn't. Cause you guys are still thriving two years later. I appreciate that, Steve. Thank you so much. I, yeah. I was thinking about quitting that day, but you talked me out of it and here we are. I get that percentage if you quit. <laughs> all right, let's get to some action. Now you guys got the studio and everything. Oh, it's all fancy. I now we're it. getting big time. All right, a couple of questions. I want to tie this into the hobby a little bit. Jesse, maybe you could pull this up as well. Scott Rowland was not even in my brain anymore. Now I heard the name and I was like, great 90s third baseman. Awesome. I had no clue he was as good as he was after he got inducted to the Hall of Fame. But I am very interested in what Scott Rowland prices have done since. So Jesse will pull up some info. Is it just me or is he just like kind of an everyday third baseman? I know he was good, but like, am I, am I wrong about this? I was having a conversation with my dad about this the other day when he got in and it surprised me to no end that Scott Rowland made the hall of fame. I was, I was very surprised and see, here's the thing though. And I've gotten with, I've gotten a lot of arguments with people on the Twitter machine. I call it the Fort Borp Zort. The second you start diving into any advanced stat, that's not my sweet spot. My sweet spot is watching the player test. and giving a yeah the eye test. That's really where I've made a career. And so, if you really start pulling out some of the stats and comparing him to all time third baseman, he does rack up with them. So in that sense, it, it does make a little bit of sense. He's only the thirteenth third baseman of all time to make the Hall of Fame. That's the fewest of any position in baseball. So if you're going to get in as a third baseman, you better be worth it because <laughs> they normally don't vote those guys in. Um, but I was still surprised to say the least. And I, I remember, I'll never forget going to, uh, Kurt Schilling's house. We did a, a podcast at Kurt Schilling's house four or five years ago at this point. And we had a hall of fame conversation with him. 
This was before. I mean, every year he does something worse to, to worsen his Hall of Fame case. <laughs> he opens but his mouth. This was when he, he, yeah, this is when he still had a, a pretty decent chance, and I still think he'll get in eventually with one of these committees that they come up with every year. But he said, "When I say the name to you, you either say Hall of Fame or not Hall of Fame," and he thinks that's kind of what the Hall of Fame should be based off of. And he was using. He said that in reference to himself, which we said yes because of his postseason, you know, dominance sure. and over his career. He did a lot over his career. He got the ring, all of that. Um, but he he used that test for Mike Messina. No, and I'm a no. Our Messina. reaction was our reaction was mixed uh, on on Mike Messina, and he's a Hall of Famer now. So yeah, I Scott Rowland, I would actually put it in Mike Messina category of like, oh okay, Hall of Fame, I guess. When I was watching him, I don't remember him as that, but I guess he is now. Yeah, I mean, it's wild. His card mark. So he also benefits from this. He's a 1995 rookie, and it's a Bowman's best card, which was, I keep saying this, Bowman's best and top's finest from the mid-90s are the best. But like his PSA 9s and 10s have gone from 150 and 300 to like 3 and 6. Like he's had almost a full double, which is pretty wild to see. You Wait, you sound you found some of his Bowman best for going for 300? The Before the sale. Oh, before this, yeah. Before this, okay. And now, but like yesterday though, Six hundred dollars, six fifty, a PSA nine. Still. So my my question, my question off of that is how much heading into an event like this? I know you guys do a really good job of breaking down, like, hey, AFC Championships coming up. Here's what the number could be if X result happens. And I, I saw your video about uh about Trevor Lawrence, which was hilarious. That that was during the game, and then they end up coming back. And there were some people trying to dunk on you in the comments. And you're like, I'm still right. And then you became even more right after the result of the game. That was funny. <laughs> but my, I am curious of. From your perspective, do you guys kind of circle these dates of like Hall of Fame announcement coming up? Should I get the guy that's only 5% away from hitting that 75% of the vote now instead of when it's skyrocketing? Yeah, you still have a few big markers. Hall of Fame, retirement, and championship. Those are kind of the big three. I just wasn't expecting it. And then also we see guys like this get in at times and it's like there's not really much of, of like there isn't much movement. I'm shocked there's this much with Roland. Well, I think it's basically what you're saying is that you were shocked that he even got in. The fact that people, I think a lot of times the price is already baked in for the guys they everyone's guessing is going to get in. Sure. For the guy who no one thought was going to get in, that's when you see a spike in price. Like if Barry Bonds ever gets in the hall, his stuff's going to go nuclear. Because it's going to be like all of a sudden, it's going to be like, you know what? Maybe he was the greatest player of all time. Yeah, he was dirty, but he you know, may be the greatest player of all time still. What's your so. take on that, Steve, as far as guys who used uh, any kind of enhancements? <laughs> do you think that they should be able to get into the Hall of Fame? I think the hardest part about that is that you have to then use your own judgment and base it off of just complete hypotheticals. If you're going off of what would this guy have done without steroids, you don't know. You, you just simply don't know what he would have done if he didn't have performance enhancers. Barry Bonds... I, I've always thought he should be in the Hall of Fame because of what he was doing before he allegedly and all the Giants fans come after you. You, you can't. I don't even I just avoid it on Twitter. I don't talk about Barry Bonds <laughs> on Twitter because it's just you're going to get both sides of it and they're going to be destroying you either way. Um, but he's an all timer. I mean, you, you look at any of the stats and it's not like steroids are going to get you from like a 50 home run hitter to 755. That That's not how it works. So if you you break everything down before he became enormous before he had some of his like 1400 OPS seasons when he was in his mid to late thirties, he's still a hall of famer. So I, I'm, it just sucks. The system sucks. Do you think he actually does get in eventually then? The reason I do is because I, I, I'm still trying to keep track of these committees they're coming up with. There's like a new committee every year that gets players in that I, don't, I haven't even heard of. You got like a players committee, a veterans committee. Like there's all these committees that, eventually Barry Bonds will get in. And if you ask some of these old writers that are keeping them out, 
they would probably even tell you this is only just the punishment because they know he's going to get in eventually off of one of these. So it's hmm. the only purpose, the only reason he's not in yet is just to be like, here you go. This is what you get for being a jerk to us over the years, you know, the media that yeah. is, and, <laughs> um, you know, for cheating the game. And that's that's how it goes. But anyone that's that doesn't get how the system works at, at this point, like I, I, there's so many people that are, that lose a lot of energy and waste a lot of energy on Bonds should be in the... I think we all know Bonds is a Hall of Famer, right? I think we're all pretty well in agreement that he's a Hall of Fame talent, but we know why he's not in because they're keeping him out for for the juice. Like this one shocked me too. How is Fred McGriff getting... Again, this was one of these new... This was the the contemporary baseball era committee. This was only like a month and a half ago. He went 16 for 16. How does a guy not get any votes, hardly any votes for 10 years... And then all of a sudden he's a unanimous Hall of Famer. That's that stuff drives me nuts. Well, that's another part of the system that's tough, right? Because when you're on the ballot for that long, a lot of these basically they've formed their their strategy for how they're going to vote for Hall of Famers. And it's going to be like, all right, that guy's in the ballot, but he wasn't good enough to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Probably not good enough to be a second ballot Hall of Famer. But if he's on that ballot, when you've got a bunch of guys coming up that are not even close to being Hall of Famers, it then makes him look better when he's now... 15 years removed from when he played. So it's, it makes it really strange because now you're voting on a guy that hasn't played any baseball. I mean, when was Fred McGriff's last year? It was probably like Oh four or something like that. And you're voting on him in like, in what 2022 to get in to the hall of fame 18 years later. Wow. It's, yeah. That part of it's very weird. He made the all-star game five times. He almost had 500 home runs. I think that's the only reason why he was sticking around with the race. I think he fell seven home runs shy of 500, but if you fall seven homers shy of 500, then what are you seven home runs away from the Hall of Fame? That seems weird, too. So if people were going to vote him just because he was a 500 home run hitter, you might as well vote for him at 493. That, that doesn't I like that. It doesn't make much sense. to me. All right. I, so. I agree with you, actually. And I can't stand that. Yeah. The fact that you came back with the when they were still the devil rays is embarrassing enough. So um, <laughs> I do want to tap into your hometown, Boston, like your Red Sox connection here, because the Red Sox, surprisingly, they've been known for just dumping their farm system and having no one there. I mean, dating back to the Dombrowski days and even before that. But right now, at least according to the hobby, I, and I, I don't really follow prospects on field anymore, but they have like some unbelievably highly touted either, I mean, prospects, guys who haven't been called up, and then even like rookies or prospects who have made the jump. I'm curious to get your thoughts on a couple guys. Uh, where are you at with Tristan Casas? Casas, Casas, whatever. Yeah, I call him Casas, but it's pronounced Casas. You did have it right. Um, I, I'm high on Tristan Casas. I, I think he's going to have a big year this year. Granted, if you, I, I'm glad you didn't run this audio Bobby back Dahlbeck. last time I was Bobby on here. Dahlbeck. I was high on Dolbeck. <laughs> That's right. Have a great year. So it's another, hey, it's another prospect first baseman that, see, here's the deal though. Um, I'm high on the guy. And part of that is because they need him to be good, right? So it's like, you're basing his potential off of the need. And that's where as a fan, you're like, he better be a 20 plus home run guy. He better consistently not strike out, get on base, walk, all of that. But the things that were impressive when he came up last year, his eye is great. He doesn't swing at balls like ever. And for a prospect, for a young guy, you don't really see that too often. Uh, he was performing at a high level in the Olympics at the age of whatever it was, 22, 23. So right now, I'm, you know, he's going to have some more adjusting. I'm glad that they brought him up in a season, especially the second half of the season. that didn't matter at all last year with the way the Red Sox were performing. So it got his feet wet, got him used to major league pitching and competition. And he's not really phased by anything. He's kind of a weird guy. Not that that, I don't know how much that factors into uh, the hobby. He's weird. So his price can skyrocket. But I I just, he's a, he's a quirky dude. 
he doesn't seem rattled by the big leagues. And that's where I'll bring Dahlbeck in because I don't think Bobby, it, it was a, lo- a lot of mental thing for him, uh, you know, at the big league level. He goes to AAA, he's Babe Ruth. He comes up to the Red Sox and he strikes out four times a game. So with Casas, he's not going to strike out. Uh, ideally, he gets on base a lot. There's a lot of power there. If he can really find his swing, find his stroke at Fenway, I think he could have a big year here. So he is the cheapest of the guys I want to ask about. So the fact that he's that much lower of a value there, I mean, playing time, is he going to be up all year for them? Yeah, I mean, well, there's not, he doesn't really, uh, Bobby's like his backup. And, and I, I guess uh, Justin Turner, but he's 38. So I don't know how much you want JT playing first base. So I, Casas should be playing a lot, which obviously helps. Okay, so Casas is a good one. So now the exact opposite end of the spectrum, because Casas kind of came up in 2018 was his Bowman draft. Uh, rookie, his stuff was selling well. But compared to Marcelo Mayer, Marcelo, Marcello, whatever, Mayer, he was the stud last year in draft. Obviously a prospect. I can't imagine he's going to be anywhere near the majors this year, right? He's going to be at least another year or two away. Yeah, I think the earliest he would come up is later next season. Um, but yeah, he's he's a stud. I It's tough because we've had to talk about Marcelo a lot more than you normally would because of the Xander Bogart situation. So they're you know saying that they're going to be bridging to Mayer with Kike as the shortstop or, you know, now they got Adalberto Mondesi from the Royals trying to bridge the gap a little bit. It seems like Heim keeps talking about Mayer, like he's alluding to Mayer being the future of the Red Sox. And when your GM is talking about a prospect like that, that doesn't always happen. A lot of times you're talking about the current team. So they're really putting a lot of stock in the prospects and the face of that is Marcelo Mayer. So if you want to invest in a guy, I think it would be good. He also looked like he belonged when he was playing in spring training against major league pitching. So that that's another factor where, and he, he's young as, I think he's 20 years old. He's a kid. So he's very young and already looks like he's kind of belongs on a big league field, which definitely matters for a guy that, you know, realistically is still three years away from, from really contributing to the Red Sox. All right. So the next guy kind of in the middle then range, you can get this guy's PSA 10 auto for like 150 bucks. Call it uh, out of 2021 Bowman Chrome. I'm going to butcher this name. Miguel Blease, Blease, Blease. Yeah, I think it's Blease. Yeah. I also butcher all the names too. So we're in the same boat Good. there. What's, what's the forecast with him? Is he coming up anytime soon? Is he another guy who's kind of a year or two away? Yeah. Blease, uh, people are pretty high on him. I haven't done a bunch of, uh, breakdowns on Miguel Blease yet because he's projected to get here in 2025. Oh, really? Um, okay. So we're, he's a, he's a ways yeah, away. So we're, we're, he's still a little bit out. He's still a few years out. Um, but yeah, he seems to get a lot of buzz in, uh, in the Florida league. So we'll see. I, I don't, I don't have a huge breakdown on Blease yet, but he got, I mean, the more, the more the Red Sox suffer, the more you hear about these guys, just because that's obviously correlated. And the Sox sucked last year. So if that happens again this year, we'll start hearing more about Miguel Blease. All right. And so the last one I got, this guy's obviously in the majors. So Jaron Duran. Oh, yeah. I mean, this yeah. kid has come way down in value. I almost wonder, like, if there's any hope of him this year, he may not be the worst buy, but I don't know enough about him on the field to say that. Uh, what sucks with Duran is he's actually one of the guys that I, I'm, like, close with on the team. And, and it's he just had a real tough go of it last year. And I, I think mentally that's where it comes into play too. He got in a shouting match with some fans in Kansas city. Um, you know, has been chirping some people on social media. I think he got rid of his social media. So if you're looking for an uptick here, no more social media should mean that he, he performs better. They were going to rely on him a lot more before they added Adam Duvall uh, as the new center fielder from Atlanta. So, you know, he was going to get a lot more playing time. Now Duran's, kind of in no man's land. Um, so I, in terms of, you know, experience and time in Boston, he has that, but it hasn't gone great for him. He's a 219 hitter, a guy that 
uh, had a big streak last year. He was hitting like 330 in the first month, month and a half he was up, but then tailed off. And it sucks because like, you know the promise with these guys, but that promise wears off so fast. And I'm sure you guys see it when you're, when you're buying prospects. You want them to show results quickly or at least signs of it. Because if not, I would assume, especially in the they hobby, tank. I would assume the, the, the value tanks. Yeah, so with Duran, I mean, if you want to buy low, it's a great time. But I'm not going to stand here and say he's going to have some big year for the Red Sox because even just for opportunity, he would need guys to get hurt to have a chance to prove that he belongs. And I don't want to bank on that. Gotcha. Um, you cool if we go to some guys' questions for him from Mailbag? I got one more name real quick. I forgot okay. about this one. Blaze Jordan's another kid. Like, Blaze, and actually, what's interesting about Blaze, he's super involved in the hobby. Like, he'll be breaking and, like, ripping cards himself. He'll autograph cards. I know coming up, he had a wicked bat on him. What is, again, though, he's another guy I know nothing about. He's a 2021 Bowman. Oh, is he Chrome? I think he's just straight Bowman. I'll have to double check that. Is he going to get, what's his forecast like for the season? Uh, it sounds like he wouldn't be playing in, in Boston until 2024, okay. uh, maybe 25. And I don't know. He's, he's a guy that, that has a lot of pop. If when they drafted him, that was a huge thing. He was hitting balls out of Wrigley Field. And, you know, anytime, that's the one thing when you draft a guy. If you've already played at a big league park and you hit a ball 500 feet, we're like, oh my God, we just got the next Manny. Like everyone starts flipping out. But we'll see how he develops. You know, I, I think he has a lot of time as a, a corner infielder to potentially prove himself. But, if you're going to have Devers here for 11 years and Casas is who I think he is, which is the real deal, then corner infield isn't really going to be an option. So that, that that's another obvious thing that comes into play with the Red Sox normally. There's just nowhere to put him. So that would factor in with Jordan too. So, and again, he's not someone that I think would be up here anytime soon. So I, I wouldn't be too worried about that. Okay, like I said, I wanted to ask because it's just so weird to me that we have this many like high profile prospects to even talk about in Boston. So Jesse's biting his pen. Do your thing. You have Fair questions? No. No, no, you know, your that, turn. that is a, a thank bite. you for staying out of the way. Yeah, like that's that. a bite of uh, I, I'm just waiting till you guys done that's the nerding out. That's the excitement bite. <laughs> um, all right. So we did put uh, the word out that you were going to be on the show today. So a lot of guys asked some questions. I think they're mainly Boston related, but bear with us if they're not. And you can give your best idea. Um, first guy, Joe Reynolds says of this year's Red Sox rookies to potentially have cards in 2023. Who is the most exciting, Rafael, Bello, or Casas? Exciting, probably Brian Bayo. In, ter- in terms of exciting, I mean, he, Red Sox Stats, one of my favorite Twitter accounts by far. And he, he tweeted something today that I, saw, I thought was very valuable, which was of all the pitchers that qualified, Brian Bayo had the weakest contact of any batted balls in all of Major League Baseball. Huh. So he basically was the unluckiest pitcher, if you're going to break it down like that. So when balls were in play, it was because they were making terrible contact, and it's because his pitches are filthy. Uh, he's I hate the, the Pedro comps. People got to stop doing that. Don't yeah, pay, compare anyone to I'm Pedro. Gonna be honest with Even you. Pedro's doing yeah, it. Yeah, when I, I saw the Pedro <laughs> clip, and I was like, hey, bud, do you not remember how, like, Don, like you were an MVP? Like, I don't need you talking about some 12-year-old pitcher here. We're good. <laughs> no, I yeah. know. But it's, and Pedro... If you get that, Pedro doesn't throw that around. And Bayo's been working out with Pedro in the offseason. So it's like, I, I get it. I understand it's an easy, it's right there for everyone to make the comp. Um, but Bayo's his own guy. I think he's super confident. He's got nasty stuff, filthy changeup. And he, he just seems like he belongs and that he's going to be very important to this team for a while. Now, I've said that about people before and it hasn't panned out. But if you're going to compare uh, Rafael, Bayo, and Casas, I would be most excited about Bayo 
partially because they also need him to be great because the rotation, I think, stinks. And and Casas, you can find other first baseman. A stud starter is going to be a little hard. Good nice. thing about Bayo too is, I mean, literally his Bowman Chrome first auto, which is from this year, forty bucks raw. So nice. you can take a relatively cheap flyer. He has potential to really blow up this year. Like Bayo, Bayo could actually become something, especially because the opportunities there. You got you know Kluber coming in as a big part of the rotation. He's like thirty six, thirty seven. Like there's Sale coming off of injury. There is a lot of potential for Bayo to be the face of the rotation, which is kind of nuts considering how young he is. Uh, Brian Schoen wanted to know, is Kevin Euclid, who, uh, who was a while back on the Red Sox, Hall of Fame worthy? Wait, what? <laughs> is a real <laughs> question? He's Red Sox Hall of Fame worthy. Oh, there's a, there's an, he's in the Sea Dogs Hall of Fame. The Sea Dogs Hall of Fame. My claim to fame that he also made a, he also made a cameo in Moneyball. Did he really? Yeah, he was the guy who waddled like a duck at the plate. <laughs> okay, so that... I feel, why do I not remember? I should remember that. I don't remember oh, like, you can Moneyball. When they're checking tape at the end of it, he's like, look at this guy. Wow, what's the big dude's name who's skinny now? The actor. Oh, um... Does... Yep, you I know. I want to say Seth Rogen. Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill, yeah. yeah. Jonah Hill's Jonah like... Jonah Hill, yeah, I think he's back to big again. He has gone big, small, big Listen, about guys, a thousand times. If you're if you've never been fat, you can't talk about it, Okay. Okay, so I'm skip not, it. All right. Next question. You God. asked. Hey, you brought it up. Um, all right. So follow up to that is Bernard Shepard. Is the baseball hall of fame more of a, this guy was good to the writers club or is it really for the greatest ever played? He, he questions because it it's greatest Scott. ever played, but it absolutely has become a portion of it. If you were to start doing the pie chart, there's absolutely a portion of that pie chart. That's he was nice to us. How bad is that, by the way? That's actually part of making the Baseball Hall of Fame is he treated us good. That shouldn't matter at all. I've always thought it's garbage, but baseball writers do it. I've got some rivalries with baseball writers. They don't really like podcasters that much. They think that we're uh, clowns and shouldn't be in the field, and they're totally right, by the way. But at the... No, I'm I'm just kidding. And I'm saying they're right that we're clowns. I'm a clown. But (laughs) I just think that it's... You got to be able to respect you know, different people that are becoming part of this field. And you got to be able to respect players that maybe weren't that nice to you. That's the only, right? that's why that we maybe like Mark didn't go out of their way to say, thanks for that. Article. I, when he asked that question, I was like, Oh, that must be a joke. That's not, no, no, no. It's, that's been like a known. That's why I like fine. Like fine. is the only baseball writer we actually have on the show. Like he's the only other baseball guy because Marks will tell you like the same thing. Like, Hey, these new guys, I put them all in these old guys. I like that. He is not as much of an old head. Cause that's what irritates me about baseball. Like I'm so sick of 87 year old men, like dictating like the trends in a game. It's like, dude, just have the insure chill out <laughs> and like insure. let some young people enjoy the game. And they can, there can be attitude. And it's not the end of the world. And I, I think we're, we're getting away at least personally. I think this, I think we're getting away from the writing format being the one that matters the most. We each year, the spoken word shows like this are what are be, becoming more important than here's my article, you know, breaking down what happened in the game. We all watch the game. We watch the game. We, we don't read. read. And in the, in the fifth inning, such and such happened. We, we all saw that. So I, I have respect for the writers. It's not an easy job. I suck at writing, but they've had this club of like, you know, it's like they're all together. And I won't say all of them, but a lot of the, the older writers are in the same bunch together that are keeping these guys out. And they, I didn't see it as much this year. But in past years, they'll flex the fact that they didn't vote for anybody. I'm like, how are we going to move baseball forward when we're flexing the fact that we're not voting in some of the greatest players of all time into the Hall of Fame? That's just a bad look. I do have a question about that. Like, do you feel as a baseball fan, and obviously you know a lot about the the sport, 
Do you think it could use an overhaul? Overhaul how so? Well, so in, in what let's say, uh, first off, the rules that dictate Hall of Fame, we just discussed that as being pretty much why do they why is it a bunch of writers who are doing it? So that that sounds like a, a big issue. But also like the eyes on the game. I personally, as a guy who's been to a couple games, I've I find it somewhat enjoyable in person. But even in person, it's hard to get into it just because the pace of the games, it can be a little slower to watch. As someone who's relatively young, I would say, what are you, mid thirties or so? I'm 32. 32. Yeah. Okay. Oh, he's younger than us. Yeah. I'd... I had risk. How old are you guys? 36. I'll be 37 next in a couple months. All right. We're all the same. It's all the same. Like my 33rd birthday is going to be the same as a 32nd and on and yeah, on. Right. Once take, you're take after 30, take it all, easy, kid. You're basically don't, don't dead. Don't talk to us about birthdays. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so, but my, my thought is as someone who's young, but very involved in the sport, do you think it's fine the way it is? Or do you think that there could be changes that bring in a larger audience? I have a great question, Jesse. For I have frequently not wanted to change the game because I feel like I'm an old soul in terms of loving baseball, but I still like the new cats that are flipping the bats and all that. Like, I like the mix. I love it. Mm-hmm. I like that the, ga- the games take a while and that there's also now flair. I, it's become this thing over the last, I'd say, five years specifically, where you have to pick a side where it's like you either love that a guy throws a bat to the moon or you absolutely hate it. And I think there's a lot more middle ground than we talk about. There are guys that'll watch a home run for 10 seconds. And I'm like, dude, run the bases. Like this is getting out of hand. But if you say that, then everyone's like, Oh, Steve, you know, doesn't like when they have fun. It's like, no, there's, there's <laughs> levels to it. There's scales to it. So I like the, the new rules that are coming into play. They're going to have a pitch clock, uh, no longer having a shift. The players hate that there's been a, well, there's, a, there's been a love hate for that. Cause the, the fielders hate it, but a lot of the lefty hitters are pumped. I know there was a clip going around of Cody Bellinger, uh, who's who's really, you know, been going through it the last year plus in L.A. And now he's with Chicago being pumped that, hey, now if I hit a rope to, you know, uh, shallow right, it's a hit instead of right to Manny Machado, who is now in right field as the third baseman because of the shift. So they're going to have bigger bases. They're going to have a pitch clock. They're going to have no shifts, which the, no, the, the pitch clock will speed the game up. I think bigger bases and no shifts slows the game down. So I'm not, I don't think they all speed the game up, but at least they're trying something. You know, Jesse, one of the moves they, they made that I think made no sense was limiting mound visits. And they thought that was really going to speed up the game. It, it Whatever. The game went from like four mound visits, from seven mound visits to four, and you saved two minutes. Like that's not really going to make a difference. A pitch clock will make a difference. And I'm excited to see what and happens. I saw some of those changes that you mentioned that they're, they're going to take place. And I thought, oh yeah, that may be something that does something to increase, I, I guess, the speed and all that. But at the same time, it's like, I don't know. We live in such a world of ADD mindsets of like the Why'd younger you generation. No, don't, you're fine. And it seems like if you don't have like, you know, you're never going to see what you saw with DeMar Hamlin, like on the field, like where someone got, got absolutely demolished. And then, you know, there's accidents. And I'm not saying like we watch sports because we want to see, you know, something crazy happen or someone get hurt. But at the same time, you know, people love hockey for the fights and people love the hits in football and people, you know, it seems like in baseball though, it's very like, all right, hit the ball. And unless someone like, you know, got in a fight, beach or the benches are, are emptied and everyone's out on the field. There's not a ton of excitement uh, unless you watch the whole game and you're there for the buildup at the very end. And it's like a really close call. So that's my thing. 
Yeah, one of one of the harder parts uh, that baseball doesn't doesn't benefit from is fantasy. Because I I love baseball and I've never wanted to do a fantasy season. It's a grind, dude, every single day. And a casual fan can easily do fantasy football. And it's, you know, your limited engagement. You can still win your league. And it's the weekend when the games are on. You're relaxed. You're on the couch. You're eating. It's just way more conducive to an average fan. Baseball is a big commitment. And I, I've said this for years that if you just plop, you know, humans down, sports fans down uh, on the earth and said, here's this game that's, you know, this kind of pace and has all this action and is 82 games long. And here's this game that takes a lot longer and is double that. It's 162 games that you have to commit to as a fan. A lot of people would go the other way uh, to the 82 game season that has the flashy players like LeBron and and Trey Young and, and you know, and they're already trying to Luka shorten Dungeon. that to 72 games. A lot of people are so. Yeah, I don't know. I know. 162 is crazy. Let's be real. 162 is nuts. Is. And at this point, we're too far in. I'm I'm a big records guy, so I wouldn't really want to change it, but. It's absurd that they play as much as they play. And I'm surprised the players don't complain about it more. I would, I'd be making a whole thing. And about I'm sorry it. to harp on it. Cause I know this is like your passion and I, I loved growing on baseball. No, no, no. I loved, I loved <laughs> to watch it like Saturday afternoon. My dad would be watching the Cubs game in the basement and I'd go down there and I'd be watching it and it inevitably turned into nap time Saturday <laughs> afternoon. And that's what, but I hate that. Cause I, like, I want, baseball. I want baseball to like attract me. I want it to grab my eye and make me be like, I can't miss this game. I want to be there. So, but Jesse, here's the thing. Here's the thing to that. Cause I trust me, there's a lot of people that are like you and I think it's okay. I, I've never been one that there's, you talk about Rob Bradford, my, my good friend, Rob Bradford. He has, has pivoted to a podcast uh, called baseball isn't boring. And to me, the tough part with that is that you're trying, I think the goal in it is to try to convince people that think it's boring that it's not boring by just saying it's not boring. <laughs> like you, you need, yeah. you need to have, if you're going to try to get an audience that isn't already into the game, speeding it up is the first move. But secondly, you got to be real and think, are we even going to get these people regardless? Yep. Are we going to get them to follow anyway? And if not, let's make the game great for people that love the game. So I, I think that's kind of where, because regionally ratings are great. They're as high as ever. So if that's the case and it's not as big a national sport, I think that's okay. I, I don't, I don't think it needs to change for people that maybe aren't even going to tune in anyway. That's fair. Last point I'll make is just throw this idea when you're talking to the when you're talking to your big wig baseball guys. If they yeah. do a somersault into home base, it's an extra point, like something like <laughs> okay, that. I would, run. bro. I would watch that game. I'm just saying. We had one When's more the last question time from you the did a somersault. Oh, I remember. Uh, it was like it was six or seven, and uh, my body weight didn't crush my arms at that time. So, Rich Moy had one last question for us to to end the mailbag on. Uh, he said he was he's a Yankees fan, but he recently went to Fenway Park. Absolutely loved it. Overwhelmed by how cool it was. He wants to know if you have any stories uh, from the first game you saw there, or maybe any other occasion you were there. Yeah, one of my my favorite stories from Fenway was early on. It was in the 90s. I want to say maybe 97. I, I was going to Fenway as early as like 94. You know, my my dad's company had these box seats. And as a kid, you just think that's your God-given right. All right, these are like our life seats. This is just kind of how it goes. <laughs> like I play in this league as a kid. You know, I get this bike and I get these box seats. Uh, it's not That's not how it works, I found out as I grew up. But at that point, we had those. And then there were these seats on the third base side. And I'll never forget this. It's a little thing because there's a lot of these games I went to growing up. Like the game I wanted to remember was Pedro's debut against Ken Griffey Jr. 
Like his Pedro's Red Sox debut was against the Mariners. It was on kids opening day in 97. My dad brought me and I think I was more interested in getting a hot dog than I was about what was actually going on. I, I cared that. about the game at that point, but I didn't really know, you know, I, that to the scale of like, this is the greatest pitcher ever against your favorite player ever. Who's maybe the greatest baseball player ever. Like that's, you're not going to get that back. But the one moment I remember is being on the third base side and Jose Canseco came up and this is, you know, pre us really knowing about steroids. I'm like, Oh, he must just be big. Cause he lifts a lot. And he hit a ball that went over the green monster. And I've never seen anyone do that before. And I remember looking at my dad and saying like, is that, I didn't know what they could do that. And he said, I didn't know either. <laughs> and he'd been going to games since Ted Williams was there. And so it wasn't, it's not like it was some crazy fight or this, that, the other thing. It was Jose Canseco hitting a ball into the lights. And I still haven't seen anyone come close to doing that. It was crazy. That's awesome. That's a good story. I actually, I didn't think you were going to have something decent. Mike, did you have one? He said he included you in there. Did you go? To, you've been to games there, right? Yeah, not like Richie Rich. I didn't have box seats. But yeah, I, I saw so I saw Roger in 1990, maybe, or 91, when I was super little. Vaguely remember being there, but it was like a big deal. Went with my dad and his buddy and his buddy's kid. We all fell asleep, like the, us kids. We were little. I was yeah. like five, six years old. So I remember that. I saw Pedro once. Uh, I got a ball from Troy O'Leary once in the outfield. Dropped oh, it nice. dropped Love it Troy. twice, by the way. <laughs> Leaned over. Two times he threw it. And the dude, finally, last night, I was like, get a catch. This. I was like, I'm sorry, bro. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> finally got it. So That's uh, awesome. Yeah, it was my big... All right, last question, Steve. I just want to end with kind of a little bit of a hobby note here. Uh, there's been, a, obviously, the last two years, a huge surge of people coming back in the hobby. I think a lot of the people, too, Actually, I don't know if a lot of people like me. I don't care about baseball as much anymore. 04 was the pinnacle for me. I can name every position, the whole thing, like live and die by every pitch. And as those guys kind of faded away, 07 was still cool. 2013 was still pretty good. And now I'm kind of like, I'm a Sox fan because I was born there, but I don't have any, I have no emotional connection to anybody on the team anymore. And so my thing is like, I've been big for the last six months, especially 90s and 2000s, like early, early stuff for chasing players. I am just curious if I said you could collect any five guys from the nineties or early two thousands, just the most, the, your favorite guys of that generation. Number one's Griffey. We don't even have to talk about it. Who else comes to your mind? I'm just curious from that generation for you. Uh, Griffey is, I, I got to just say real quick when you did, when you pulled the, uh, the Griffey, like credit card looking oh, the, card, yeah, yeah. that was so cool. I didn't even know they made those. Yeah. If you got any extra Griffies you want to send over, let me know. Sure. I'm obsessed with, with Griffey. I got him. Actually, I'm like blocking him right now. I got him like over. Oh my yeah. There he here. is. The kid. Sure. Yeah. The kid. But, uh, so yeah, Griffey would be the top one. Cal Ripken Jr. Are you just saying it's in terms of guys that I would want to collect from the nineties yeah, or just like in general, if you were to walk back into the hobby today and you're like, Hey, my era, my heyday was the nineties. These are the guys I would like to, I would go back and buy cards of from the nineties. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Uh, Griffey, Cal Ripken, Jr. Uh, Randy Johnson, Tony Gwynn. Um, if I had one more, I mean, that was a little early for Manny. Um, I'd say Sammy Sosa. I had a lot of Sosa's growing up. I had a lot of Sosa cards. Now, I, I my question to you is, where is the hobby at with the steroid guys? Like, uh, where are numbers for like McGuire, Sosa stuff? I assume it doesn't do well, right? Yeah, very low. I mean, like Sosa, McGuire, Bonds has done okay, but relative to his greatness, very low. A-Rod, same thing, relative to how good he was. Clemens even way, way down. So in general... I mean, in general, juice guys have, have really gotten hurt, which is what makes me wonder about Tatis because we've never had a guy happen, had it oh, happen the Tatis early. Tatis one's tough, man. 
that news really hurt. Like, Jesse, I know we talk about, like, state of the game and all that. That sucked. Well, especially because he was, like, so... He was in the news. He was, like, he... Actually, I knew Tetis not just from the show, but, like, I saw him on TV. Like, there was... He was making a name for MLB, and then that happened. Oh, big time. That's like if, like, Luca got arrested or something. Like, it, it would... For something really bad. Like, I'm trying to think of an equivalent. Like, you... you Tatis was so the face of the game. And anyone that was saying that he wasn't was just full. Oh, it's Mike Trout. No, it's not Mike Trout. Mike Trout's the best player, but he's not the face of the game. The coolest thing about him is he's kind of into weather and he's like an Eagles <laughs> fan. There's not a lot going on yeah. with Mike Trout. I, um, thought Tatis, but, I thought Tatis had the ability to potentially be the Curry type guy. Curry was the guy oh, who came yeah. in and made basketball. It made being a guard great again. He revolutionized the game. Not that he was going to revolutionize it as much, but he was the first guy that I remember coming in with attitude. It was fun to watch. Mm-hmm. I was like, this- and we were we were just out in San Diego for the baseball winter meetings, and it's sad They're, they don't have Tatis on anything. They don't have they they took him down from all the you know billboards and all the the marketing outside Petco Park. And it's like, God, that was fast. You know, like he, he gets that, uh, he gets popped and then all of a sudden it's, you know, it's like, he doesn't even exist, man. It's, I don't know. That was, that was tough. That really was tough. But I would assume I, I'd flip it back to you real quick on the, on the steroid guys that if you're just, you know, a, a kid from the nineties, like myself, would, would you want to just collect steroid guys because they mattered so much to you and the prices are lower than they probably should be. Right. Oh, absolutely. And that's what we see too. Like we've known a lot of like these live selling shows with like all nineties cards. Like guys still love bonds. They don't care that like, and nobody ever thinks I'm not going to buy that card because he used because my, my contention too, though, is I don't know who didn't use, like yeah. I assume Frank Thomas didn't, but if you told me he did his whole career and we just never found out who would be surprised yeah. if Frank Thomas did and anybody, he's enormous. even yeah. like Griffey though, I, I assume Griffey was probably clean, but if you came out and said he, you know, he popped five times in the nineties. Okay. I, I mean, it wouldn't be shocked. Oh, so that would be tough. Oh, I would news. hate it, but I just mean, I'm not shocked yeah. anymore. I just assume everybody used something but it has definitely negatively impacted the guys. The guys who have been held out of the hall have seen a significant, like ce- like a low ceiling on their hobby stuff because of that. So if it changes and they make the hall, maybe we see a crazy bump, which would be cool. So we'll see. You want to wrap it up, Jess? You're looking at me. You got the intent eyes. What's that gaze about? I have a question, but I feel like it's a stupid question. Oh, ask it. So can write, no it. dumb questions. Well, uh, no. Unless it's dumb. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Good, 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 good. Um, are PEDs illegal? Like uh, you mean outside of the game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean like st- anabolic steroids are illegal. Like unless you get a prescription. But like what they're using specifically, like typically oh, what know. they use. Do you know, Steve? Is it what, actually what, illegal? You illegal to the league no, or illegal as a human? Like ele- like if you were just working State out law. and you yeah you were using that and I someone most of those things are cops illegal. coming to the gym and they're like I, I, I. yeah without a prescription almost all that stuff is illegal i would assume most of those are illegal but like who's cracking down on that is there that's, someone at the gym like we think he's juicing guess that's kind of my like, th- who is my thing is, who like, is that hurting right if it's not illegal i don't care like oh, if i you, agree by the way if you you use whatever you can to get an edge like i feel like everyone does that already i'm not saying it's fair but if someone has the ability to do something that makes them a little bit better at something and it's not, there's nothing inherently illegal or wrong about it. Well, I wrong. Know. I mean, there are certain Well, health when I say wrong, I mean like for, they're not hurting someone else and they want to do something that affects them. I, I would not subscribe to it myself, but if they want to, I'm not going to say like, Hey, that guy's I'm not trying to picture you good. on juice, bro. You oh, yeah, let's get Jesse on the juice. Let's do do you know how often I bite my tongue and Can I'm just like go? a good sport, but like, I don't think I could do that. Like if I was on the juice, I'd be, oh God, I'm thinking about taking my shirt off right now. 
why you don't I, have to do that but yeah, we're I, good no good on the shirt all right steve thanks for all coming right. we're gonna end it there steve Jesse, before you leave i'm gonna take my shirt off if you want to stay around <laughs> stick for around that, be your camera okay. uh, I'm, I'm sticking around for that all right, all right, I'm sticking around. we're awesome. doing this thing uh steve well, by the way little plug too where can people find your podcast what's going on with you before we let you go uh, yeah, podcast uh, on social is at ITM underscore pod, and I am at Steve underscore Peralt on all the socials. What is the ITM, by the way? We were trying to figure oh, this yeah, out Oh, yeah, what's it stand for? So here, here's the deal. Here's the deal. So we were the official Red Sox podcast for a year, and that that relationship came to a close. That's that'll be That's a discussion that's about eight hours long. And we called ourselves the ITM podcast, but it was, everyone knew it was inside the monster. Now, if you run up against, it's a copyright thing. So by avoiding any copyright issues, and I'm close with people at the Red Sox. I talked with them about it. I was like, your thoughts on this? You know, threw some ideas around because they still wanted us to be the official show. It was the other company that is going through tough times. It is what it is. The industry's, you know, it's it's going through some tough times right now. Um, Are we talking about, hang on, what show? Are we talking about like a radio show? No, the podcast. So when we, I was doing Section 10 with Barstool uh, through the 2021 season. That was the last time I was on. And then we did the official Red Sox podcast, launched it as a new show. Okay. Uh, this past season is Inside the Monster. And that relationship came to a close after the season with uh, Odyssey, who was the company that had the show. Oh, okay. And the Red Sox, see, the Red Sox didn't necessarily want that to be the case. Uh, they still want us to do a show that oh. basically like we're doing. But because of copyright issues, yeah. we can't use the full Inside the Monster. So I talked with some folks at, at the Red Sox. And they're like, hey, let's do ITM podcast. Boom, ITM podcast. And there it is. So everyone knows it's inside the monster. Gotcha. Um, but ITM, it's kind of like a if you know, you know type of deal. Now okay. we know. I feel like we're part of the cool Exactly. Party. I want to hear that story next time. Yeah, Steve's oh, got I some, do. Oh, oh, yeah, that's, that's an off-air that's story. That's the pod oh. after dark. We'll just record it and not tell them. We're in a yeah. one-party state here, bud. Okay, <laughs> good deal. Steve, thanks for the time, man. We'll have you on before two years. That is my vow. Yes. Yes, yes. Thank you, guys. You guys are awesome. Keep crushing thanks, it. Steve. We'll see you. All right, so there you go. That was Steve Peralt. ITM inside the monster. Now we know that. I feel. I wish. You, I thought he was going to start ripping people on here. Like <laughs> why they couldn't use the name? That would have been great. So um, there are no new releases right now. We'll talk about it on Monday um, as we wrap it up. My hey. only question with new releases: Where is Bowman's best? Like we actually need to ask our our fanatics contact. That product usually comes out end of December. It's not even on the release calendar now. And I I love my voice is gone yeah. by the way. And I love that product. I, I've gotten more questions about that product than anything else. Uh, the other thing, which we'll preview this on Monday too, or review it on Monday, I'm blown away. I'm actually impressed because I, I dumped on Finest last show because of the quality control. After looking at sales, very, very impressed with the resale value of Finest a week later. Really? Because there's a question in the mailbag about that I wanted to talk about. But Yeah, um, Finest is killing it right now. We we had a case last night. Uh, we pulled two refractors number to 75 of J-Rod. They're going to be monstrous each. Like, and we, We're going to grade everything for the guy anyways. Yeah, wrap it up. My voice is totally toast now. So yeah, okay. take it away, sports boy. Um, well, the only thing is, is I and I don't even know if we <laughs> want to cut this out or if this is like a, a recordable. But we were talking about the the whole thing with Babe Ruth, and then we got cut off, and we never went back to it. But oh, there I, is there is a the reason I brought it up is because there is a follow up, at least from I don't know about the the tops uh, issue with the signature being from the nurse or the whoever it was. But the issue with the other card, where it's just the wrong signature. National Treasures. Yeah, he says, uh, the guy who actually pulled it, he said he has been in touch with Panini. Uh, Panini is currently in the process of getting this fixed ASAP, is what he was told. So Okay. Yeah, I mean, at least they're Still rectifying big, it, but it, yeah, that's I kind mean, that's of a, insane. That's that, a glaring error for a Ruth card. <laughs> like, of all the for cards. For a Ruth, yeah, of the case hit, right? 
Like, I mean, that's the product. product yeah, hit, I, yeah. I, I mean, it's a, I don't know, ten, fifteen thousand dollar card. So, um, yep. all right. So, uh, before we go to mailbag, we did want to touch on just a little note. We do this every Thursday. Pristine auction does a Sunday, uh, auction where all these cards will end on Sunday. Um, we have a few that we like that we talk about, just give you a heads up on what might be good hits. Uh, right now, I will tell you, I'm looking at a Tom Brady card, Michael. Uh, 2000 Press Pass rookie card, PSA 9. They're calling it a rookie, but uh, this it is a rookie. Well, I mean, it's not like what uh, I think a lot of people might look at other cards of his as his official rookie. Like, what? Yeah. Any like card from 2000 is a rookie. I know, but I mean, like I'm saying, like when we talk about rookie cards, there are a lot of rookie cards that come out, but it's not like the official, like the one that everybody wants. There's like in this case, Tom Brady, a lot of times they look at like a skybox one or something like that. No one. No. I I mean, there is like a flagship, like his go-to rookie shore is the Bowman Chrome. But everybody well, considers the Bowman Chrome is like the the super expensive one. Yeah, sure. But everybody considers any car from 2000 is considered yes. a rookie. Okay, I'm sorry. I think you're thinking something different than what you're saying. I don't think so. I actually am thinking and saying the same thing. People don't consider that a rookie. No, no, no. I'm, again, I'm not saying they. it is a rookie. I'm just saying a, like you said, the flagship rookie. Okay. Okay. You said, though, they don't consider it his rookie. That's what I'm saying. I, I don't think you're I'm, saying what you're thinking. I get what you're saying In that sense, now. I didn't say that. Okay. All right. Just say you're wrong and apologize. <laughs> I apologize dude. that you made it the whole show without making me angry. I don't have a voice to yell at you for these dumb. T- oh, PSA nine two thousand <laughs> press pass. Uh, it is currently going for like one hundred and five dollars. Last sale on this was two hundred and fifty dollars. Um, even the SGC uh, eight was going for one hundred and seventy five dollars. This card to me seems like a slam dunk if you can get it around like the 240-ish range because there is a little bit of a buyer premium. But I went back and looked at some of the ones we talked about last Thursday on Monday after all the cards ended in auction. It is a fact that there are a lot of cards selling for under what you can get even after you throw in the buyer's premium. Um, so I saw that one. Because the buyer premium, by the way, is 17%, which is not bad. Usually it's 20. Yeah. Um, so I'm bidding on this right now, by the way. Go ahead. So there's that one. And then there's also just for the Pokemon guys out there, I, I'm going to dive in a little bit deeper here soon on some Pokemon stuff because it is still a very, very hot market. Uh, there's a Pokemon TCG Sword and Shield box. Uh, <laughs> it goes for, it's it's right now on there for 78 bucks, but it just recently sold for 140 Again, if that hits a hundred to 110 or something. I think that's a, a very decent buy. So, uh, so there's a couple cards I'm actually bidding on. There's an autograph OJ Simpson, 1970 rookie and a PSA holder. It's pretty cheap, right? Again, it ends Sunday. So I don't know what these will end at. Uh, the one I'm actually bidding on to win though, in 1984 tops, John Elway. It's a hand signed card with the inscription hall of fame. Oh, four it's slabbed authentic by PSA. I'm a high bidder right now at 84 bucks. I think that should be at least double or triple that by the time it's done. Uh, but I'm hoping to actually win that card. Like I like, I like the Elway. And then this Peyton Manning that I lost out on last week, it's a 1998 um, Bowman Chrome preview refractor. Again, he signed in a person guy had it slabbed. Yeah. I'm trying to think I'm the high bidder. What is my actual bid? My high bid right now on that card is $111 and 11 cents. So that could be a good one. Oh yeah. I don't know what the deal is with this though. It does seem like a lot of guys are going there with their in-person autos with like that. The other thing I thought was cool in this auction that on Sunday, there's a bunch of like seventies and eighties, either boxes, packs or full cases that. of like, it's not vintage, but almost vintage baseball. 
I think that stuff's a fun rip. It's so cheap to rip and you can grade for cheap and like you get the big rookies. So anyways, okay. um, a few more mailbag that we didn't hit on that didn't have to do with baseball. You cool with that? Uh, yeah, just a couple. Cause my voice is, as you can hear, I don't so hear it. Oh, no. Uh, let me see. So Christopher Duff, he goes on to talk about uh, Boston accents. Can appreciate that. Uh, he says, my questions for guys like Purdy who don't have a lot of cards in their rookie product uh, or they are goofy pictures running around in shorts. Do you think there's an opportunity for his second year cards to increase in value or does it just make the rookie that much more of a chase? So I think you'll see both. The rookie is going to still be the chase because it is the rookie. But we saw this with Tom Brady as well. There's a lot of second year stuff when it's his first in the patch uniform or the first action shot. First one of these. So I think his first his rookie and his second year stuff will carry a big premium for sure. Uh, JD Pearson, curious if you guys have kept up with zero cool at all. I oh, bought not I, at all. Have you? Uh, a little bit. I pre-bought a box of their Stranger Things cards, but they are now delayed three times, and I'm probably just going to cancel at this point. Uh, Jeremy Byers also added in on that. He was also waiting. I did reach out to our contact over there. It was, uh, I mean, we got this question about three hours ago, and I reached out maybe two and a half hours ago to see if they had any response. I'm not seeing one. I did see something from Netflix, though, stating that it was going to be about early February, so maybe another couple of weeks. So I'd, I'd say maybe watch out for that. If then it's not there, you know. I'll tell you what's interesting about Zero Cool. I was just looking real quick. The Jackass series yeah. is actually selling pretty well. The V-Friend stuff has come way down, though. Like oh, some really? of these cards numbered to five are doing four figures. They're like a couple hundred bucks now. Really? Which The fact they're still doing a couple hundred is actually impressive to me. Um um, yeah, I don't know. There's a bunch of different cards on there. But yeah, I, I would like to get an it. update uh, on Zero Cool. What's going on with that? If there's anything new in the 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 works, because AC I, used to oh yeah give us a little bit of a heads up on like what new products were coming soon, or at least she'd give me something. But uh, we'll find out. Corey Thompson, I'm Norwegian. Oh, so try your best Scandinavian accent here. Has anyone done the research on how well grading companies cross over to PSA for higher valued cards? No. Next. I can't That's respond to that. Eastern thing. Norwegian. I looked it up on YouTube and they said that sounds more like the Swedish chef. I hate you with the passion of a thousand Vikings. <laughs> Next. No, I mean, the crossovers are tough, man. If you're, if you're dedicated to doing it, this is all I would say. If it's an expensive card, you send it in the holder that it's in and ask them to do a graded card review. Meaning, hey, I want you to crack this card only if it will grade a 10. Because the one scary thought to me is you crack it out of a holder where it has a high grade and it gets graded lower by the next company. You're running a big risk. Uh, thank you, Corey Thompson. Christopher Shoemaker, like, sure. a, like a million others, I got back into the cards in 2019. After quitting during the junk wax era, I pay so much attention to sports anyways, I figured I'd treat cards like stocks, buy them the, while they're low, then sell them when they're up. Uh, Jesse, what's lessons that you've learned from your knowledge of markets in general that can be applied to cards? I think I've talked about this a, a number of times and I, the reason I, I kind of stopped mentioning it because I didn't know if anybody cared to even try it, but I have actually since had a few guys reach out and say that they appreciated it and they've been doing it with success. There's a thing called dollar cost averaging. It just means you're buying, uh, in, in the stock world, you're buying a stock, uh, basically at the same point, uh, in intervals. So like, January 1st, I buy the, a few shares of that stock. February 1st, I buy March 1st. You know, just keep doing it the same interval, same amounts. And that way you're kind of guaranteeing, yes, you're never going to buy at the bottom, but you're, uh, or you're never going to buy at the top, but you're also not buying at the bottom. 
it helps give a more balanced uh, return. And I think you can do that with cards. Uh, in fact, there's a TikTok that we put out maybe last year or something that proved uh, if you went back and looked at, I think it was some Justin Herbert cards, you could do that very well and make some decent money on. So there's one thought for you if you're applying it to a stock-like investment. Brian, uh, we already did Brian's question. Zeppi Borelli. So this is where, when you made your comment about Top's Finest, this is where I, I thought this was interesting. Zeppi says, with 22 Finest being available at 1500 a case for some, uh, for some, do you foresee it getting any lower? No. I was wanting a case. The quality control is why he's asking, right? Exactly. Yeah, I, I said with Finest, it's kind of a weird product that kind of stays the same no matter what. The only difference here is, yes, the QC stinks on base and on non-numbered refractors which is miserable because that's the majority of the hits you're going to get. Sure. Flip side of that is, again, that is, that's bad. That's negative. We're, you can't get past that. The other side, though, the positive points of the product, the rookie checklist is unbelievable. The color and the autos, the quality has been as good as anything I've seen. Like, there's no issues there. And the fact that this cheap stuff, the low end, not even low end, actually, but like J-Rod refractors, non-numbered, are going to be super low pop, as are Wanders and everything else. I ripped another case last night because they're they're in tough condition. I think there's going to be a crazy premium on gems of that stuff. Um, I did notice, too, that Top's Finest Baseball for per box on bo um, Blowout was 250 when we talked about it. And it's, like it's 220 down now, to right? 210. Yeah. But, I still like the product. I don't, I, okay. I think it's a good, it's spread out. You're hitting enough of the rookies. Like I said, that case last night, we estimated about a thousand dollars just in Mariners hits. Jeez. I mean, J-Rod crushed last night. Uh, that's awesome. Okay. Uh, let's go on Lee Patterson. On average, Mike, how many times while you're I recording, uh, do you think to yourself, Michael Scott's quote, should have burned this place down when I had the chance? I actually had to Google <laughs> this. This is from uh, my favorite episode of all time. Episode uh, season seven, episode Willy 19. Wonka? I believe that's the Willy Wonka episode. Really? Yep. <clears throat> wow. That's meant to be. How many times would you say? Is it when I do Swedish chef impersonations or just anytime I speak? I was going to say like more just a talking. Just like right? my voice and the cadence. Yep. Got it. Uh, the only thing that's more, more cringeworthy <laughs> than me when you're talking is when you and a guest are just talking and I'm sitting here. <laughs> like today when you and Steve started going back and forth, I was just like. Oh, I don't need to hear either one of these You people. know, you know I was quiet <laughs> for 10 minutes while you guys talked. You did great. I, you did a good uh, job. Bernard, okay, two more questions, I think. Um, <clears throat> let's see. L long story, this is Jeff Howe. Long story short, I went down a rabbit hole on a, the lineage of the significance of the contender's rookie ticket auto in football, collecting, uh, collecting while putting together a PC project. Considering the history of the contender's auto, does Fanatics need to do whatever it takes to acquire the IP to continue producing contenders. Got it. Okay. So here's the deal. There's a couple products that are iconic. Prism is iconic for the base and the rookies. Contenders is certainly iconic for the on-card autographs. National Treasures for the RPAs. Fanatics can do whatever they want, though. If they want to buy these IPs and make a deal and continue it, great. And if they don't, so if they do that, fantastic. The brands continue that longevity. They're just great brands. It's awesome. Good. That's a win. If they choose not to, though, we're just going to have new stuff the guys turn to. Like if they bring back Topps Chrome, that's going to take the place of Prism for those issues. If they bring back Topps, I'm trying to think like Topps Finest or whatever the nice patch autos were back in the day, which I'm actually struggling to think of right now, they will simply just take the place and that will be what... So if that happens, you'll have the new product to chase. And then those other products, this, this run of Panini from 2015, call it, to 2023, or a little bit past that, 24, 
those will kind of become, hey, that window where if you like it, I think we'll see something like what's happened with upper deck basketball. It's gone now, but people look back and they love having it. So I don't think there's a downside with holding those things in either case. I do think, though, if they could continue a brand, it would help in the long term. Like to think if you could go 50 years and have the exact same like, you know, Topps Crow or Contenders Autos, you but know, for 50 years. That's or what something. I mean, though. They haven't been 50 years. That started like. Oh, I know. But that's what I'm saying. Like down oh, the line, if like if they it. continued it, you could say, Maybe. like, you know, looking back. Okay. Uh, last question. Ruben Mitchell thoughts on sealed NFT packs holding future value. I honestly don't think that. You know what? I said that. And because when I initially read that question, I didn't, I didn't think that there was going to be a lot of value, but it is crazy how some of these products have those hits that guys are looking for. Like uh, um, who was it on the soccer product just <coughs> the other week? Oh, oh. Spinatron was like chasing the, was it a 30 K messy? Yeah. So say that card didn't get pulled and you're just holding, you know, five packs of that. Do I think that there's some inherent value there? Absolutely. But yeah, so you got to be selective. Yeah. Like hold packs that have potential monster hits. Exactly. Yep. Maybe. And I don't know. I that's don't know the, the only future time of I think so. Because that's the other thing. I don't know the future of NFTs. If you had asked us a year ago about NFTs on the horizon, we would have been like, oh, they're going to the moon. Yeah. As everybody would have said that. Mm -hmm. Now it's like, well, they've crashed super hard. Fanatics has totally dumped out of their position in candy. I don't know. I mean, granted, the Panini blockchain has done pretty well, all things considered. It's done really well in the NFT space compared to other things. But I have no idea. If you told me they 10X'd in five years or if it was not even a thing in five years, I'd, I'd literally believe either. I have no idea. It is weird, yeah. If there's only one and it's Panini blockchain that seems to be any good, and it's only because I think they— It mirrors the physical. Yeah, they mirror yeah. to what's God, actually that, out there. That is the one thing. The people who think, oh, it can be its totally own independent thing, I just I think this last year has proven that it, no, it can't be. Yeah. That tie to the physical is a major differentiator for Panini. So yep. there you go. That's your show, Sports Cards Nonsense, brought to you by the Ring of Podcast Network, powered by Spotify. We're back— uh, next week, Monday and Thursday, we have a guest or two next week. I just don't know who. Yeah, we do. Um, it is on Monday's episode. We've got, Coach? uh, no, we've got, uh, soccer cards United. Oh yeah. Out. Jason Flynn. There yeah. you go. So yeah, we'll be back on Monday. We get some live selling. Oh, actually, no, I'm not selling this weekend. I'm going to, going oh, yeah. to, going Boston to get the boy. old man. So there you go. Next time we come back, there'll be another couple of GSFs living in the state of Tennessee. What a joy for our audience. That's Goodbye. enough.